You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. I'm Allie Frazier, the Director of Communications at Ohio Right to Life and your host. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday. Well, today I am very excited to share with you guys the next episode of The Push for the Abortion Pill, a special series of the Pro-Life Ohio podcast. This new multi-episode series focuses on the spread of chemical abortions and how the abortion industry is pushing these dangerous drugs on vulnerable women in more ways than ever before. So in last week's episode, we talked with Heartbeat International's Krista Brown, a registered nurse and medical impact director, and Andrea Trudden, Heartbeat International's director of communications and marketing, about how the abortion industry's push to expand access to chemical abortions here nationally is endangering women in the United States. So today, we turn our focus to the rest of the world as we discuss with Krista and Andrea how the abortion industry is pushing the abortion pill regimen internationally and the unique dangers this poses for vulnerable women across the globe. We'll also talk about the hope that abortion pill reversal offers women who've taken the first abortion pill and then regretted it. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast. I am super excited to be starting our next um, episode in our series about the abortion pill and specifically about the abortion pill being pushed to be administered more virtually. Um, And we are super excited to have with us today, Krista and Andrea from Heartbeat International to talk to us today about how the abortion industry is pushing the abortion pill overseas internationally and um, how that push for chemical abortions um, is uniquely dangerous, especially for women who might be in less developed countries and might not have as much access um, to uh, traditional medical outlets like we do here in the U.S. So Krista and Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're so glad to be here. Thank you, Ellie. Absolutely, absolutely. I am super excited to get you guys' expertise on this. Um, Heartbeat International does so much with abortion pill reversal and with other important ways of supporting women who have taken the abortion pill. So I'm excited to get you guys' know-how and knowledge on this. Um, Yeah, so I think to recap, I know we covered this in our last episode, but could you guys possibly explain again what the abortion pill is, uh, what its history is, and what it does? Sure. So the history is it was first created way back in 1980, a really long time ago. So it's been used internationally longer than it's been used in the U.S. because it wasn't approved in the U.S. until the year 2000. In the year 2000, can you hear me? I can hear you. It's just my email going off. <laughs> okay. So sorry. No worries. Okay. You're so good. In, the, in the year 2000, it was approved in the U.S. At up to 49 days of pregnancy. And then in 2016, they expanded that to 70 days of pregnancy, which effectively doubled the number of customers available to 
um, by the chemical abortion in the U.S. So internationally, there aren't some of the safeguards that we have in the U.S. The U.S. has some safeguards where it can only be dispensed through an abortion facility. Not all doctors can prescribe it. It can't be prescribed through a commercial pharmacy. So there are some safeguards here that um, other countries do not have. Um, and the way that it works is that there is, it is a two-step process. So their first medication is usually taken at the clinic, um, depending on how the woman accesses her abortion. Um, she takes that first pill, um, usually with a cup of water at the clinic, and then she's given the second medication to take it home 48 hours later, approximately. So she has that little bit of time in between to make sure she wants to complete that abortion. And that's often when they call our hotline looking for help if they, if they have doubt that they want to finish that process. The first medication, that mifepristone, it lowers progesterone levels. So that's the mechanism of action of mifepristone is lowering those progesterone levels in your body. And so progesterone is just a needed hormone in every every pregnancy to um, help the pregnancy thrive. So effectively what that first medication does is it destabilizes the pregnancy. So if we are able to um, supplement her body with enough progesterone, we can effectively save the life of that child if, she's, if she wishes to continue her pregnancy. Absolutely. It's great to understand kind of what is behind the abortion pill um, and, and what it does to really understand why more it um, really presents a unique danger um, to women. Um, yeah, Andrea, do you have anything that you want to add to that? I would just probably uh, reinforce something we said in the last episode, which is at this point in, in our country, 40% of all abortions are being done by chemical abortion or the abortion pill. Um, and we're already seeing the trend and we expect it to be about 50% next year. So this has been something that has been continuously growing over the years. Um, and as, of course, as Krista said, they, they expanded the length of time. So we're seeing it um, be a method of abortion for much longer for women. Um, and it is, sadly, it is more accessible via these online websites and um, different avenues as well, which makes it a little bit trickier, especially internationally, to follow and the dangers that are involved in that aspect because of the different, uh, it's referred to as self-managed abortion and medication abortion and chemical abortion and all these other things that make it sound like this is for the woman's privacy. And um, unfortunately, it's just kind of removing that uh, healthcare element from it um, by sending her home. Um, it, but it is a trend that we are seeing continue so that's why uh, Heartbeat International got involved a couple of years ago um, and everything that we can to expand our network uh, to help these women in this time of need as well. And to uh, let people know that there is a way that if they do take the abortion pill and they do regret it that, um, before they take that second part of the regimen, that there is something that they can do and we are happy to help them um, in reversing the effects of that abortion pill. Absolutely. Yeah. And the work you guys are doing is absolutely fantastic to give women that extra chance, even after they've taken the first abortion pill, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I think the biggest question that we have right now is what is the abortion industry's motive behind spreading the abortion pill? Why, why the abortion pill? Why not other types of abortions, especially overseas? Well, we know that, um, we know that there are a huge amount of abortion providers. So in the US, there are only about 
um, there's about 76 of OBs don't prescribe, you know, they don't perform abortions. So we know that there are areas that um, many feel are not not having access to abortion the way some would like. So that seems to be a reason. Um, it's, I think that um, there is definitely, like you spoke about previously, a profit margin with chemical abortion that doesn't exist with surgical abortion because, um, because it just involves medication that can be taken at home. So the idea of, of an, a no-touch abortion where you can just get the medication delivered to you and just do this at home, it's advertised as private, it's advertised as sort of a benign process where you're just inducing your period, which isn't medically accurate. So the way it's described, the way it's advertised to women isn't necessarily the reality that the women experience, but um, I think that probably we would have to talk to them, the abortion providers, to find out their ultimate motivation. Um, but that's what, on the surface, that's what seems to be um, driving this, is that they want more access to women. They want more availability of the abortion. And what we have seen, too, in our nation specifically, um, is that the number of abortion facilities is actually being reduced over the past several years, while the number of pregnancy health resource centers have increased. And so um, while the pregnancy centers are providing assistance, support, and courses um, to help parents um, or to set a plan for adoption and, and just continue on. Um, the abortion facilities are going down and down in number. So this is a way that they are still able to provide um, electronically um, and uh, provide a method of abortion in areas that no longer have uh, facilities, and it, they don't—they no longer have the facilities because the, either the need is not there or the communities don't want them there. And so this is kind of a—it is a way um, to expand their access while not necessarily being on the ground. Absolutely, yeah. And just like you said, Andrea, I think that um, I think that a lot of the the abortion industry um, and even you know some medical um, medical organizations would, would come in overseas to try to, um, to, to spread abortion as an option, whereas I think women overseas, and I think women here as well, um, need options um, apart from abortion. And that's truly what they're seeking is not necessarily an abortion, but a way to alleviate um, the struggles and the problems that they're facing. And uh, I'm very thankful for you guys' work in uh, kind of reaching to the root of the problem, why women feel like abortion is their best option to begin with, um, which is really good. Um, now, the abortion pill itself is uh, pretty dangerous, um, and I think it's especially dangerous um, in other countries as well because they might not have the same access we do to say like 911 or an emergency room, um, but yet the abortion industry continues to push the abortion pill um, in even underdeveloped areas of the world where complications from the abortion pill um, could be even more deadly. So what, what would you guys say are the unique dangers of the abortion pill, especially in developing countries? Well, like you said, um, definitely the side effects of the medication if there is an emergency access to care. So that is true throughout the world, including in the US. So if a woman 
has extreme symptoms, if she has symptoms that continue after 24 hours, she needs access to care. And that isn't always available in other countries. It isn't always even available in the US if her abortion provider will not return her calls, if she's not sure what an extreme symptom is or a normal symptom of chemical abortion. So I think that would be a primary. And then also just the idea of abuse with this. So we know that um, chemical abortion is used by those who human traffic women. We know that it can be used as a way to coerce women into decisions that they're not comfortable with. So it's not necessarily an, an empowering, um, helpful event for a woman to have this quickly available to her. It's important that she has choices, that she has options, that she, ha that she understands what support is available to her. And if the only only thing that is, is being provided to them is chemical abortion, that's not necessarily helpful to these women. When we know that women, several women, <laughs> regret their abortion choice. And so when we hear of, we hear of stories in uh, actually much more developed countries even, where it is not uncommon for a woman to have 20 to 30 chemical abortions in her life. And so what we're removing here is the fact that there are psychological and physical effects that go along with abortion in general. And so by expanding this haphazardly in certain cases, we're completely neglecting the emotional state of this woman and the long-term effects that abortion may provide. And that is something that is acknowledged um, by all sides of this argument is that some women do regret their abortion and some women do have, um, do experience trauma from it either physically or psychologically. And so by continuously pushing this in countries all over um, that either are underdeveloped or very developed, the woman's response remains the same. And that if she is going to struggle with this decision, then either physically or psychologically, there needs to be somebody there to talk to her and be available for her. But they are just kind of glazing over that and just moving to expand. And what we're finding, unfortunately, in the underdeveloped countries, specifically in Africa, um, is that they're expanding it more and more. They're testing, taking the abortion pill far past um, the 70 days that is accepted in the U.S. for safety concerns. They're seeing, they're, I believe, even doubling that. They're going to 20 weeks in certain cases, and that's just unhealthy. It's not um, not helpful at all for the woman. This child is much more fully developed. It's much less likely to work in certain cases. So then they're just upping the dose. And so it's in these types of cases where they are studying on women and um, seeing what they can do and how far along she can go um, by pushing more pills into her body. It's dramatically unhealthy. And so when that starts to become the case, then I, I question different motives um, completely um, when it's under the guise of helping women. Another aspect to that is that, um, especially in Africa and Latin America, they have experimented with misoprostol only. So that is less expensive. And um, they did a study and the study was so so um, ineffective that they stopped the study because it wasn't working well enough for the women. And yet they continue to administer to women the misoprostol only if, if a pristone isn't available or if expense is a concern. So the idea that this is healthy for women, this is good for women, um, is not even played into that 
into that picture. So it's important that these women have the options like we spoke about and that they aren't just an experiment, not just a research project to um, learn more about abortion. It's important that their pregnancy, their desires are respected. Yes, pills may be easy to transport, but it's more than just pills in this case. You're literally stopping a life from happening. For sure. Absolutely. No, I, t I totally uh, agree with you guys. And the idea that this is more than just a pill, it is um, the ending of a human life, it is, um, you know, hurting a woman um, just makes the abortion pill that much more heavy of a topic and that much more dangerous. And like you had mentioned, Krista, with the experiments that were being done, I think in Central America, um, I looked up actually the research study um, that they had online for that. And to see that they were advocating um, for um, girls as young as their early teens um, to take part in the study was even more troubling. Um, not only just due to the fact the abortion pill is very dangerous, but that also knowing that that was going to be something that would forever change those women um, in a way that was not empowering at all, um, which is really hard. Um, but yeah, so we had, um, we had a situation, um, I think, in terms of how you guys mentioned that the abortion pill is being pushed, especially in other countries, to be used for a longer gestational um, age and how dangerous that was. Um, we had a situation uh, here in Columbus in Licking County recently where we had a lady who had bought abortion pills from a pharmacy in India and had um, aborted her viable child who was then born alive. Um, and I think that that really speaks to the danger of the abortion pill and the fact that it isn't just a pill. It is, um, it is really a dangerous, heart-wrenching heart and um, life-ending scenario. Um, but the U.S. in general, um, I think, is on a different footing than the rest of the world in terms of the way that the abortion pill is being pushed, especially in later gestational ages. Where would you guys say um, the U.S. stands in terms of how we're seeing this push to expand the pill versus maybe the rest of the world? Well, so far, the FDA has held true that it, it's not, um, it's regulated up through, it's allowed through um, 10 weeks of pregnancy. So, so far they have not expanded that beyond the 10 weeks. So we are seeing it prescribed in the U.S. up through 11 weeks, but the FDA has held true that that is, that is what they're sticking to for right now. Um, in many other countries, not just underdeveloped countries, but developed countries, it is offered um, much more freely. So in many countries, any doctor can prescribe. There is no contact with the client or the, or the patient before the prescription is sent to the pharmacy. So, um, so what we are doing, we have in the U.S. is much more safeguarded. We have uh, ultrasound performed to date the pregnancy, to determine the placement of the pregnancy. We have, um, she has to go to the clinic for the medication to be dispensed. So I feel like right now in the U.S., we do have more safeguards. We never want any abortion. We, we never want any life to end, but we do have more safeguards than many of the other countries that we're seeing internationally. Yeah, and I'll just add to that a little bit, the fact that um, with the websites that we are seeing come up, um, this, the downside is that while we are being holding true right now, we are seeing, um, as Krista mentioned in the last episode, more than 70 sites um, that we know of that are um, allowing or 
asking like for your information to send you as in the Licking County story, um, send you in the mail um, the chemical abortion pills. And so when we know that that does exist and there are definitely those um, on the, in the abortion lobby who are pushing and pushing to, to deregulate abortion as much as possible, these sites are already there and they are ready to basically expand their um, reach as well. So this is something that we do know um, is available right now for the vulnerable women, but if anything were to come down to where doctors and healthcare professionals no longer had to see the women or ultrasounds were no longer required or pregnancy tests were no longer um, a part of this, then we know that a lot of women would be taking these pills that maybe shouldn't be for one reason or another um, and putting uh, basically poison in their bodies for like a better term for no, but no reason at all. And they're harming themselves unintentionally in that case. Um, but we do know that these sites already do exist. So basically if the, if the regulations go down, then it, it just makes it more of a free for all. And I would see that being saturated even more because of the opportunity that would exist in that case. And we already do see um, different apps that are being created that are kind of paving the way to be able to provide the abortion pill um, through a subscription or through like straight to your door um, in the future as well. So those are, those are pieces that we're already monitoring um, just in case. Absolutely, yeah. And we appreciate you guys keeping tabs on what is going on with that? Because I think that this is the future um, of the abortion industry, and this is going to be the future of the pro-life battle to support women and protect them from uh, dangerous abortions and also unborn children as well. Um, but yeah, this topic is pretty heavy, um, but we are doing a ton to try to stop it. I know that Ohio Right to Life is working really hard to pass legislation like the Abortion Pill Reversal Information Act, which um, essentially gives women um, all the information they need to make an informed decision, to know that if they do take the first abortion pill, that it can be reversed. Um, and then we're also working on the telemedicine abortion ban, which would uh, ban abortion drugs from being dispensed through telemedicine in Ohio, um, which, which is dangerous for women, um, and obviously very dangerous for unborn children as well. Um, but in you guys' opinion, what can the average person do to help combat the, um, the spread of the abortion pill? How can we support women better? And um, how can we make sure that the abortion pill is um, not needlessly hurting women and essentially boxing them in and not giving them the option to keep their pregnancy? Well, Allie, I worked in pregnancy centers for over 20 years before I came to Heartbeat. So my heart is always with those centers that, um, like you, you said, boots on the ground, that is what they are. So they are there to support the women with whatever they need, resources, um, referrals for additional help. If they don't offer it, um, they offer honest education. They, um, they just really empower women to make the best choices possible for everyone involved in that unexpected pregnancy. So they help entire families in their community. I see that as a, as a true answer. So when a woman is contemplating this decision 
Um, it's often under so much pressure. She has pressure from her relationship, financial. Um, there's just so much that she needs to sort of sort through. And to have that resource, which are all, all of these resources are offered absolutely free of charge to them, um, is just incredible to me. And the work that these centers do, offering free ultrasound, offering many medical services free of charge, um, I see that as a definite need in all communities. And then also um, making sure that abortion pill reversal is, um, is advertised throughout communities so that women know that that's available. So if they do start a procedure that they no longer desire, they don't feel locked into that, that they know that there is hope, they know that there is another option, making sure that this is um, made available to all women, that it's, um, that it's, it's in the forefront of their mind so that no one feels like, oh, I really did have to finish that. And then they find out later there was this process available that they could have had um, a different outcome for that pregnancy. Yeah, and so at Heartbeat International, we have more than 2,900 pregnancy help organizations worldwide in 60 countries. So what we do find is the fact that when people are engaged with the pregnancy help organizations, then um, their communities do kind of just wrap their arms around them and they are there. Like, for example, through this whole uh, COVID pandemic, what we are seeing too is they're getting incredibly creative and adapting their services to meet the needs of the women where they are. So they're doing online parenting courses, they're doing diaper drop-offs, they're continuing to connect with these women in need um, through this time in which, depending upon where you are in the world, um, your regulations may be different. So they're continuing to serve. And so the more that people know that the services are available, um, and what services are available. We have quite a spectrum of services within the pregnancy help movement from housing um, for women to um, nonprofit adoption agencies, pregnancy resource centers, which then have the, um, the, the material aids, so the diapers and the formula, um, to the pregnancy help medical clinics, which could offer STI testing and ultrasounds and prenatal care. So we really do have this broad spectrum. So I definitely recommend that anybody do get engaged um, and you can find any of the centers um, in the U.S. through um, our 24-7 uh, contact center, which is OptionLine, and that's OptionLine.org. And just type in your zip code, and there you go, and you'll find all the pregnancy centers right around you. There's so many. Um, actually, I think it's three to one. There are three pregnancy resource centers to every abortion clinic in the U.S., and it's because these people have such great hearts and want to help women know that abortion is not their only option and they have the full understanding that no woman should ever feel so alone or coerced that she feels abortion is her only option. They're there to open those options for her and really walk alongside her as she goes through a very difficult and confusing time. So definitely for us, the, the main thing that we advocate for is just that knowledge of the pregnancy help organizations because then they can tap into such wonderful avenues such as um, the Abortion Pill Rescue Network and um, option line and just all these other pieces and really stay connected as well um, to other support within their own communities. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we, we love the work um, that Heartbeat International is doing in terms of really making sure that women are supported. Um, because I think the more women are supported and the more they realize there are options to them other than abortion and other than the abortion pill, 
um, they are going to feel so much more loved and supported and they are going to be empowered to choose life for their children, which is awesome. I think the only thing we have left to cover is abortion pill reversal a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, which is awesome. I know all of us are big fans of this. So I will just ask the question outright. If you, if a woman has taken the first abortion pill, is it reversible? And is there any going back once you take that first pill? Absolutely, Ali. So we know that many women regret their abortions, and we know that sometimes that regret sets in right away. So, um, so many of our calls are from the parking lot of the abortion facility or on the drive home or right after she gets home. And she realizes, even though this was a decision that she made, um, you know, she thought about it, she, she sought counsel about this. We've all done that, where we've made a decision and we were so sure it was right. Um, some, sometimes it's just not the right decision for you. So, um, so they will call us and they will ask, is there hope? Is there a way to reverse this? Is there a way to change the outcome of this? So many of our calls are sort of anxious because they realize the gravity of the decision that they've made and they would like to save the life of their child. They would like to continue their pregnancy. So we are here to help. We have a team of 30 nurses who take those calls. They connect the, the, the woman with a healthcare provider in her area to get the reversal started. The success rate um, by a study is 64 to 68%. So we definitely, we let them know that's not, it's not 100% effective, but it is highly effective. And the sooner we can start that process, the better. So what we are doing is um, supplementing with Prometrium progesterone. It's bioidentical progesterone and it counteracts the effects of that first medication, that abortion medication that she's given at the clinic. And the mechanism of action of that mifepristone is lowering her progesterone levels. So just like if you were low on oxygen and someone gave you oxygen to sustain your life, we are giving her this bioidentical progesterone to sustain the pregnancy, to restabilize the pregnancy. And the beauty of this also is that the mifepristone we know does not cause birth defects. The bioidentical progesterone that we are providing does not cause birth defects. So the children born after abortion pill reversal do not have a higher incidence of birth defects than the general population. So we have over a thousand thankful moms and beautiful children that are doing well and thriving. Every single one was counted as an abortion statistic at one point in their lives, very, very early in their lives. Um, but they are thriving and doing well. And some go back to all the way to 2012. So we talk about babies. I tend to say babies, but they are, they are walking and talking and starting school and doing very well, thriving. So that is the good part of this message. Even though we, we hear the sad stories of the chemical abortion and how devastating it is to women and families and to children, um, the hope that is available through abortion pill reversal is incredible. And we are definitely here to help. Um, if anyone is interested, they can go to our website, abortionpillreversal.com. That is a client website. So that is for someone who needs assistance. If there is a provider who's interested in joining the network, we have a second website and that is aprnworldwide.com. And so that gives information to those that can prescribe that would be interested in offering the service in their community. Something that I love, one of my favorite parts of um, sharing about Abortion Pill Rescue Network is the fact that so many of the moms stay connected um, with us. We actually are following um, several at this point, 
who are uh, in the middle of either graduating or they are very close to graduating uh, with healthcare degrees and want to be a part of the network. So they want to give back because they know, they literally know <laughs> exactly what um, abortion pro reversal can do because it did work for them. And so um, we also have a mom on our staff now who um, went through a reversal and we had the privilege of actually going to DC with her this um, January and walking alongside her son um, in the March for Life. And he is a spunky little six-year-old and is just fantastic. And like Krista was saying, this is a healthy um, choice for women. And it is something that has been used, um, progesterone has been used for more than 50 years to help sustain pregnancies. And so it, we know that it is something that is working. We have seen the babies, the, the picture, you, like Chris is a babies and kids now. We're seeing this. We know the stories, we know the moms. And it's just, it's so encouraging. Every time we look at um, our little wall of fame of, um, babies that we, we get to stay connected with um, and just the passion that the moms have as well for sharing their story so that women know that it does exist and it can help them too. That is absolutely amazing. I love hearing about APR. I love hearing about all the work you guys are doing and uh, I, I love that this resource is available to women and every single one of those children, every single one of those women who has been positively touched by abortion pill reversal is a testament to the heart of you guys' work, which is to support women and to save babies. And that is just absolutely inspiring. So if there's anybody here listening who um, knows someone who has taken the first abortion pill or if they've taken it themselves, just like Andrea and Krista said, you can go to um, abortion pill reversal. You can just type it on in Google. It'll pop right up and uh, you can call or chat with people um, who will walk you through the process, which is fantastic. But uh, Andrea, Krista, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Um, we appreciate the work you guys are doing so much, and uh, we are super excited to uh, and feel blessed to be able to hear um, your expertise on the subject of the abortion pill and also how you are combating um, combating that to help save save babies and support women. So we are very thankful for you guys and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Ellie. We appreciate yeah. being here. Yeah, thank you for the work that you guys are doing with Ohio Rights Life too. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah, no worries. We are happy to be able to support you guys um, from a legislative front as we try to pass legislation that um, that helps curb the abortion pill and also protect women too. So we, we appreciate um, all that you guys are doing and we are happy to offer the support um, that we can as well. Thank you so much for being on today, guys, and uh, we hope to talk to you all soon. You're listening to the Pro-Life Ohio podcast presented by Ohio Right to Life. Founded in 1967, Ohio Right to Life, with more than 45 chapters and local affiliates, is Ohio's oldest and largest grassroots pro-life organization. Recognized as the flagship of the pro-life movement in Ohio, Ohio Right to Life works through legislation and education to promote and defend innocent human life from conception to natural death. We are Pro-Life Ohio, and we will end abortion.